Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. On 1116 SEN, this is the Flag Flyers for the American-Australian Association, devoted to strengthening relations between the United States and Australia. Hello everyone and welcome to the Flag Flies, a place where we profile and chat about all the Australians flying the flag for us in the US of A. I'm Christopher Toller and alongside me is a man who clearly doesn't listen to what I say in this intro until I say his name, Lockie Miller. Hello mate. I'm happy to be here mate. I'm just glad to be second fiddle. I literally, Chris offered offered me the, the once in a lifetime opportunity to open the show and I, I literally froze. I actually forgot what. I don't think you forgot. I don't think you actually knew what I said. Have you ever heard... Do you just legitimately just wait for your name to be said before you actually say anything? <laughs> I, I'm completely... So I could say, uh, he's the stupidest man alive, no one likes him, Lucky Miller, and you go, hey man, hang on. Yeah, I'm completely zoned out, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so am I, because we've got a big show. We always do. Uh, we Firstly... We've got the second half of the chat that we did with uh, Daniel Kickett last week. Which originally was only going to be a one-parter until Chris kept on asking a million questions. Well, it wasn't a million in the end. It was just a couple of extra ones that we didn't quite have time for last week. So the second part of that chat will be uh, part of this show. We'll upload the chat as full uh, on our Twitter and Facebooks as well. We're also going to be rounding the bases with uh, James Arthur from the SCN NFL podcast about the two uh, Aussie boys, or the Aussie punters in the league at the moment. And we're also going to be chatting with Damien Arsenis about the latest from uh, college basketball as well. So a whole bunch of Australians doing terrific things uh, across the world or across the, uh, America, across the country there. So we want to try to touch on most of those guys, the ones that are doing really well. And the best news of the week that we uh, we just want to touch on really quickly before we get into the show is the news that the college football is coming to Australia next year, coming to Sydney, ANZ Stadium. Twice next year now. How's that? We've so been we got the Etihad Stadium game. Uh, which is the December bowl game. And we've got the August game now, which is California versus Hawaii. The se- it's, it'll be a season opener for them. Yes. Um, which, to be honest, this is this is really great, um, great idea. Uh, and to be honest, I think it's been... Uh, the, the whole process has been expedited because of the bowl game that's come to Melbourne. And because Melbourne did something, Sydney just has to get something in. And it's actually working in their favour now because they're actually a season opening game. So they get in first. Yeah. Now, the reason why this is really smart for all parties is that Australia has a huge following of uh, grid, grid, um, I should say gridiron, but you know NFL fans. And uh, we're not going to get an NFL game out here anytime soon. So the next best thing is college football. And we've actually got Aussies in the college football landscape as positional players and punters. Um, And so, you know, it it makes a lot of sense to actually bring this product out here. The third part of it is, why it's really smart, is that California, we have a really great relationship with that school in terms of um, a lot of Australians go there, whether it be, um, you know... uh, not just academic, not just um, sporting scholarships. No, yeah, academically, but for sporting, we've got a lot of rowers, men and women that go there. Um, plus other sports as well. We've got a tennis player there, uh, and I think we have a golfer there as well. Um, but Hawaii, and this is the genius part. Hawaii's got a lot of problems with, I suppose, being financially stable and and being a, 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 a well. Um, uh, organized uh, athletics program, sports program, uh, and they need to tap into 
uh, it makes sense to tap into the Australian market for fans and also potential athletes. Uh, so I think this is a really smart um, outcome all round. It's very exciting. We're going to be chatting to Nathan Chapman from ProKick next week about that. and A bit of a, a recap on the season because it's now officially bowl season. We're into bowl season. Uh, a lot of the results, a lot of the teams are done for the season. We want to have a look back at who the best punches were from an Australian point of view who was the, the biggest surprise and, and who might have uh, fallen a little bit short. So we want to try to touch base with uh, Nathan next week on all that. But first, let's get into rounding the bases. Joining us first up on rounding the bases today is James Arthur from the SCN NFL podcast. Mate, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Now, I'm a bit disappointed being a Patriots fan at the moment, but we won't touch on that because, uh, you know what, we want to talk about the Aussies, and I don't want to kind of harp on the fact that uh, our boys are no longer undefeated throughout the season. So we'll touch on uh, the two Aussie punters. We're going to start off with uh, Jordan Berry and the Steelers. They went down today uh, against the uh, the Seahawks, 39-30. to How did you see his performance? He didn't, he didn't uh, punt a whole bunch. No, he only punted twice, and one of them was an inside 20, which is what, You've seen him really excel at this season. Only an average of 39.5, and his long was 43. So he's basically kicked two 40-yard punts. So on, on limited effort, in a, on, a, on a cold, windy day in Seattle, he's actually had a pretty good... Uh, he's done a pretty good job. The biggest problem there with Seattle now is that their playoff run is going to be really difficult now. They're a game behind the Texans now, and the Texans are on a hot streak, and the Chiefs are on a hot streak. I don't think without they're running back, Levy and Bell, that they're going to be able to win that, that wild card spot. Yeah, you mean the Steelers. I think you said the Seahawks at the start there. Did the I? The Steelers, Steelers, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Obviously the Steelers, yeah. No, we know what you mean. And the second game we wanted to touch on as well um, is the Giants and the Redskins. Redskins got up 20-14, to 14, and of course we've got um, we've got uh, Brad Wing playing for the Giants. Yeah, he had a really good day. Seven punts, an average of 41, which is a really good standard. Three of them are inside 20, had a long of 61. So that's a really, really good punt. Uh, he had a pretty solid day. He's, Brad Wynn's had a really, really good season. So uh, he'll be looking to get, get re-signed there because he's just been fantastic. So hopefully he can get that contract sorted out once the off-season rolls around. Uh, the Giants, though, going down to Washington is huge as Washington now take the division lead. And what a crummy division it is. <laughs> One of the worst ones in the league? Oh, it's terrible. You know, if if they if the Cowboys had a healthy Romo for the whole season, they'd be walking away with it right now. But you had to slip something in about the Cowboys. If ifs and nuts were if ifs and buts were candy and nuts would all what was it? What's the saying? Oh, something Chris, like execution, mate, execution. I, don't know, I know the start of it. I don't know the end of it. All I know is that the Vikes are in three and the Packers <laughs> uh, dropped one today. So bad luck, and uh, that should clinch up our division almost. No, you have to play them again in the last game. So it'll it'll probably come down to that. The Packers will get it sorted out. Uh, they're, they're really missing Jordy Nelson. But, yeah, I, I thought Atlanta would beat the, the, Falcons to, um, the Vikings today. So it was really good to watch the Vikings go and have a tough game. Teddy Bridgewater is still struggling. If they have to, they have to put points on the board against anyone, then they're not going to win. Mate, uh, that's all we've got time for today. We always know that uh, you've just got a tremendous amount of NFL knowledge, as we can hear every Wednesday on the SEN NFL podcast, which you can find at SEN America. You can search all their stuff and all our stuff because we're a part of it as well under the Flag Flies umbrella at SEN America on Twitter and uh, facebook.com forward slash SEN America. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks for having me, guys. Finishing us up on rounding the bases today is our very good friend, Damien Arsenis from pickandroll.com.au. Mate, welcome to the show. Always a pleasure, guys. And as always, we're going to do this every week. We're going to start off with a Ben Simmons update. How's it going? He's, look, he's going well. Problem is, he had two losses this past week. Yeah, so not ideal. Close, but the first one was close. Second one, not so much. 
That's right. He had a narrow 80-81 to 81 loss to Marquette in front of 51 NBA scouts at the Legends Classic. But that performance, 21 points and 20 rebounds, was a pretty good effort. That's his best game to date. Oh, yeah. And then you throw in seven assists and two steals to boot. Like, come on. It, he's, he's a pretty good player. But I guess all the talk from that game was the shot that he passed up. He had a chance to win the game and he dished it off. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think he made a good decision. He's a player that has got absolutely no confidence in his jump shot at the moment. And I think, you know, he, he was noted he only hit three or 30 or something um, from shooting in the warm-up. So why would he take the game-winning shot when he's got other players that he's been setting up and they've been hitting shots? It's not a good precedent, though. I mean, when you're the best player, I mean, how are you ever going to get used to those situations? You've got you to take them, don't you? Um, you make the best decision, and I would argue he made the best decision in that situation based on where he is today. Oh. Um, so, oh. yeah. And look, look, if you go to the next game, he did make the play at the end of the game. So, that, unfortunately, that Pressure was, was off, loss, though. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get the result, but he did, did force overtime. Um, so, down the stretch, he, he took it to the rack, made the basket, got fouled, but he missed the free throw that would have put him ahead. Um, so, you know, you could look at that and say... You know, he didn't win the game, and he, and he certainly didn't. But um, it was a game that was talked about because he only scored four points, but still got a double-double again. How, how important are these games, especially the first one uh, that was at the Barclays Centre um, in front of 51 scouts? How important is the, the performance in those games where uh, it, it's well known that there's lots of important eyes on him and a big stage? Well, I, I, look, I think it's always important to put on a, a good performance in front of people watching Ben Simmons is going to have people watching him every single game. And if they're not there watching him live, they're going to be watching the replay. So I don't think he's going to have any issues there and, and, and be able to hide from a, a potential poor performance. Everything he does is being analysed. So he can't escape. But if, if, you, if you look at it, you know, in that game where he had four points, he still had um, 14 rebounds and 10 assists with three steals and three blocks. And I think what we're seeing is he's showing that he can do everything. Well, I was just about to say about that game, even though he shot four points, he still got the double-double, is that going to be better or worse for his overall, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, credentials? So will people look at that game and say, all right, he really is the, the, uh, the real deal because of the fact that even though he scored four points, he still influenced the game in such a big way? Or are they going to say, look, he, he's, only a, a, he's an inconsistent scorer? Do you reckon it was um, good for him or bad for him? Yeah, look, I, I don't think anyone will say he's an inconsistent scorer. And look, it is early days, and I don't think you can look at any one game in isolation. However, what he's demonstrated, he doesn't need to score to be effective. He doesn't. You can't teach what he has. You so you reckon it was good for his stocks? I think it was yeah. good for his stocks. I think what he needs to show over time, that he can hit the jump shot. And he can. He's got a good stroke. It's just not consistent, and he's certainly got no confidence in it whatsoever at the moment. Unlike someone called a George Blagojevich. Well, that's a nice look at uh, that segue. That's a nice segue. Seamless. I don't even need to do anything. Yeah, are we, are we even needed back. here anymore? Damien's got this under control. I was ready to say Blagojevich. I was practicing it, uh... and I will not have an attempt at it because I won't get it. <laughs> so, considering you failed with Pasquarello for uh, Penn State, uh, the uh, the, the punter, yeah, you, no, you've had a terrible track on, record with these names. George so. Good. Blagojevich. <laughs> Not bad. Oh, yeah? Damo, let us know about uh, your man, Blagojevich. Yeah, freshman forward at Hartford. After a few games, he, he really started turning heads with some really solid performances, and he worked his way into the starting lineup. And I, it, it's because he's contributing and he's delivering coming off the bench. So he had 18 points, a couple of threes, 
made all his free throws um, in a win over Niagara and um, in a game where, look, he's playing in a team with Taylor Dyson, another Aussie, and, and he had eight points in that game. But then he, he backed it up with another 17.6 rebounds as a starter and he's just delivering and he's scoring and he's scoring efficiently. And I really am seeing a lot of synchronicity with another guy in his first season, Vicky Joyce. I, I think very similar wow. type of players um, and scoring in the same efficient manner that he is. Now, the question I have about Blagojevich is... Stop saying his name. Sorry. How, uh, how come you haven't told us about him yet? You're supposed um, to be the guy that uh, comes on here and lets us know who we should be looking out for, the players that you think are going to blossom throughout the season. Winthrop. And How'd Winthrop go? Actually, yeah, we're going to, I wanted to touch on that, actually. You were talking up Xavier Cooks from Winthrop all throughout the start of the season. He was in your top 10 players to look out for this college basketball season. And we asked you how he went before the show. Because this we is your guy, the one that you earmarked and, and, and Olgan... You know, and you just dismissed him. We said, "Do you want to talk about your boy?" Because you're always banging on about him. And what did you say? What boy? And you you rattled through about 17 million names before you actually got to him. You're off the bandwagon already. Thanks for the support, guys. No, nah, we'll we'll sell you down the river just as quick, mate. <laughs> I'm not jumping off the bandwagon. He's just had a couple of quieter games. So you don't want to talk about him at all? Well, no. Let's talk. You don't even want to know him. This is rubbish. What are you if we didn't tell you his name right now, you wouldn't know who he is. <laughs> I know exactly who he is. He had 10 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists in his past outing against NC State. So yeah, that's, not, that's not good enough for Damien. Let's move on to Emmett Nah, because Emmett Nah <laughs> put up some good numbers that Damien wants to talk about. So let us know about Emmett, mate. Emmett Nah, he's only played one game this week, but he was at it again with his scoring with a game-high 17 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists and 2 steals as St. Mary's absolutely smashed Cal State Bakersfield. See how excited he sounded when he was talking about Emmett Nark and to talking about Xavier? Increase in tone. There was, yeah. absolutely. Next there week he'll be back on. Because I'm trying to move on from, from your bullying. You're and... a flip-flopper. <laughs> yeah, it's fun talking to you. We're going to get one of those, like, you know those things that you put on top of houses that show which way the wind's blowing with it has a rooster on top? <laughs> <laughs> gonna... Xavier Cooks, 24 points. Woo! Actually, Actually, no, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy one from the place of our, uh, our apartment, and on the roof, I'm gonna call it the uh, the Damien Arsenis Wind Directioner thingy, whatever they're called. You'd probably think of a better name though. Yeah, you don't even know what it's called. What well on? Uh, but hey, you're getting something named after yourself, mate. I expect you at the ceremony. Um, but yeah, no, that's um, just whichever way the wind's blowing, Damo. No problem at all. <laughs> and by the way, I just wanted to thank you before we finish up because we're just uh, about running out of time. I just wanted to thank you for. Um, the article that you sent me during the the week about the starting five from uh, Eastern Washington, obviously we know Eastern Washington because of the amount of Australians that they have on their roster, but their starting five this week comprises of five pretty interesting names, isn't it? Oh, there's some great names in there, and there's a couple of Aussies in it too. There's two Aussies in the starting lineup. So the, the, the names that were on there, and you're going to help me with one of the pronunciations. So we've got Sir Washington, which is a pretty solid name. Austin McBroom, which is my favourite. Then we have the two Aussies, Felix van Hoff and Vinky Joyce. And the fifth one, Bogdan Blizniak. That That's good enough for me. Oh, thanks. Polish? Yeah, I think so. I mean, any any guy with the name Bogdan has to be from Poland. Exactly. I just thought that was a funny article because I, I love my funny names. I was watching UCLA, so we got Prince Ali in there. What was the McBroom one? Austin McBroom. Austin, that's a pretty cool name. Austin McBroom. It sounds like a four-year-old kid's coming up with his own basketball team and thinking, I'll call someone Sir Washington. I'll call the next person Austin McBroom. So is yeah. he, So his first name is Sir? 
Sir, Sir what Washington. Is, yeah. What happens if you get to the knighthood? That'll be a bit awkward. Sir, Sir Washington. It's like Sir Dominic Pointer. Huh. It is, but you know. Except I, Sir Dominic was on. Imagine if they go through a tournament with a sweep. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, where's the boom-tish like, sound effects? Um, but, but I can say, though, just to disappoint you, that starting five is no more. Uh, Sir Washington has been replaced by our own Jesse Hunt in the starting lineup. No, that's that's good news, though. Jesse so Hunt? Three, what sort of name is that? kind of boring. So, yeah, it, it, but that's it's the right. most standard one in that starting lineup, I guess, now. But there's three Aussies in that starting lineup, including the freshman. Well, thank goodness he's Australian. Otherwise, they would have been really upset. Damo, thanks for joining us again, mate. We'll speak to you next week. No problem. Chatting to Australians flying the flag in the US of A, this is the Flag Flyers. Last week, Lockie and I were lucky enough to have a chat with current Melbourne United player and former St Mary's Gale, Daniel Kickett. The interview went a little bit too long, so we had to cut it in two. So we played the first half last week. We're going to finish it off this week. So here's the rest of our chat with former St Mary's legend, Daniel Kickett. Do you think that uh, I've, we've had a conversation a few times with various v- basketball people about this on our show, but what, why do you think it took so long to tap into these international, I suppose, recruits? And uh, was it more that maybe they just didn't know how to contact them or they didn't rate them? Um, obviously, we've spoken about last week that I think that it's definitely helped having people like Del Vadova and uh, Paddy Mills and yourself go through uh, before and actually show that you know a lot of these uh, t- talented Aussie kids are better than you know mid division one um, basketball programs. And, and do you see that potentially you know in ten years time or twenty years time that the college basketball system is actually going to be quite a diverse talent pool? Like sure, the US talent is going to monopolize, uh, not monopolize, but you know take the sheer majority. But do you see this turning into a real like international sort of league? Yeah, I think it's um, it's kind of a sign of the times and, and the growth. And uh, when I was trying to go over to college, you know, we had um, we didn't even have I don't think we had our games on DVDs. It was all VCRs and things like that. So that's back then the hesitation of going with the international guys. You really didn't have a lot of exposure to him, especially all the way out in Australia. It was kind of word of mouth or take somebody's um, uh, opinion on to, to on board, and that can be risky at times. So. Nowadays, it's as simple as logging on to YouTube or going on to Twitter and seeing guys highlight tapes or live streaming their games. So um, I think you're going to see you know, a big wave of... And obviously, because there's so much success from international players over in the college system, that um, teams are, are going to continually to look to bring in those international players. So I think it's going to continue to grow and it's going to make it a, um, a very competitive uh, market, I guess, for... For, for even the local domestic players who want to get on good Division One schools, they're going to be competing with um, very talented international players. So saying all that, removing yourself from the equation, who do you think's done more uh, for the program of St Mary's, Adam Capon or Matthew Delvadova? Oh, look, it's uh, it's 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 an interesting question. I mean, Adam Adam started it all off, and and who knows if Adam never chose to go to St Mary's or if St Mary's never took a chance with Adam. It may never have eventuated. Maddie may never have gone there. Patty may never have gone there. So it's it's a really interesting conversation. But what Dally did there and what guys like Patty did there um, really elevated the program to another level. And and that kind of success brings uh, more success because it brings better players, better recruits, more funding to the to the uh, to the college, better facilities, and all of those things. So it's it's um. It's a really big contribution from both sides, but um, yeah, I, I really couldn't, I, you know, if I delve too deep, I suppose, I really couldn't pick a, a, um, a winner in, in that category because who knows what would happen if Adam never went. 
This is true. Very conservative on your behalf, Daniel. Yeah. Now, you and Dally have uh, a lot more in common than just both being the top two scorers in St. Mary's history. You have also both made Gonzaga University's top five most hated WCC opponents in the last 10 years. That was written by a guy called Brett Albury of KREM2 Sports. Do you Have you seen this list? I think this came out December last year. Have you had a look at this list? I haven't, no, but that doesn't surprise me. So you came in at number five, and they actually called you a pretty boy in the, in the write-up <laughs> as well. What do you remember about the rivalry with Gonzaga? Because obviously... In the last 10 years or so, St. Mary's of Gonzaga have, have played some mammoth showdowns. Matthew Delvedover, by the way, was, I think, number two on the list. Omar Samhan, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you remember about the rivalry? Because it was, it was really massive uh, for a lot of years and still is. Yeah, it was. I mean, we were the, um, you know, we were the upstarts when I, when I was there, and, and they were this dominant powerhouse that really no one was messing with. And as um, we had a lot of a really good, even from my freshman year, we had a lot of really good close games with them and it kind of uh, I came in with a Ronnie Ronnie Turioff, guys like that who uh, we were matched up against and we had massive rivalries, just basically got into it every game, I think there was you know, a little bit of um, back and forth in most games where uh, guys would be getting in each other's faces and things like that it was just really competitive, really um, big rivalry between us and because we were the upstarts and coming, trying to knock knock them off the top they didn't like that, so um, a lot of the games were very heated, and um, a lot of exchanges between me and guys like Ronnie Turioff and, and things like that. So I think that's probably why it started. And plus, um, I like to when I was younger, I liked to give it to the crowd a little bit. And when we were playing well, I think in Zaga we got into it a little bit with the crowd and things like that. So it's all it's all it's all a lot of fun, and you're young and you got a lot of testosterone pumping through your veins. So it's um it makes for a really fun um, atmosphere. Uh, this is just a comment because I know Chris has got another question, but I was just going to say, Ronnie Turov is one of my favourite players on 2K12. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've, been, I've been friends just playing with Ronnie Turov. Like, it's just the most ridiculous thing, like, especially how he's graded on 2K12. But, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. I, I think it's fantastic that you've played him. Yeah, it, it's funny because that rivalry that I had with Ronnie was a very personal kind of um, rivalry that we had continued uh, into when we play each other in international games with Australia and France, things like that, it wouldn't shake my hand, things like that. So it's really <laughs> funny that it, it ingrained itself for so long, and um, it would still probably if we if we walked into the same bar today, it'd probably still be exactly the same. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's gross. So going back to that rivalry for a second, I think they um, they knocked you out. This is Gonzaga knocked you out in the. Um, in the semi-finals of the West Coast Conference tournament in your first year, then in the final uh, in the in your sophomore and junior year, mm-hmm. in your senior year you got knocked out in the semi-finals by LMU, and there was a couple of other Aussies on that roster uh, for LMU at the time in um, Matthew Knight and Marco Jerick as well. Damien Martin was another Australian to play for LMU. So which rivalry did you find better? Was it Gonzaga or was it LMU because of the fact that there were a couple of Aussies on the roster? Oh, it was Gonzaga. No offense to Damo and Matty, <laughs> great guys. You just I like them too much, I guess. Them. But but uh, no, they never really challenged us. Really, um, it was a Saint, I was fortunate enough to be in an era where St Mary's was top two most of the time, top three, and um, LMU was still struggling a little bit. So it was um, them knocking us out that senior year. That one hurt because you know we were the better team. We should we probably should have won that game. And but they went on to have a really good run that year. And um, all credit to them. But no, the, as far as rivalries go, it was always Gonzaga. We've got to mention uh, in your junior year, you made the big dance. It was the only time that you made it throughout um, your career at St. Mary's. 
What do you remember about playing in the tournament? Do you remember much? Because it would have been unbelievable. Obviously, you got these big games playing against Gonzaga and all these tournament games, all these uh, conference tournament games. But obviously, March Madness is just a different kettle of fish. What do you remember about that game? Uh, I remember we were a very banged up team going into that and it was really unfortunate that um, we couldn't really be at 100% to go in there because we felt like we had a really good team and um, we were ranked uh, in the RPI, I think 29 or 30 that year and, and we felt like you know we were that good, if not better. Um, we'd beaten a few ranked teams that year and um, in the semi-finals of the conference finals, I broke my ankle. Uh, AJ, uh, EJ Rowland, I think, hurt his groin we had a guy do his acl in the ncaa game um so we were just a really banged up team and it was unfortunate that we couldn't um put on a better show in in that ncaa tournament game you ended up falling 65 56 against seven seed southern illinois you guys were a 10 seed but you did top score in the game with 16 points that's i guess something to to take out of that even though it was a loss so that was something um just a quick one so mary still have a whole lot of aussies playing um at the moment, I think there's six Aussies on the roster at the moment. Do you follow these guys at all? Do you still kind of are you connected with the school at all, or do you kind of you're removed from that now? I go back to every year. Uh, my wife is from uh, just 30 minutes away from campus, so I'm back there every year, and I go down there and train with the boys in open gym and um, do do some of the workouts with those guys. So I get to see those guys. Um, the good thing about it is, is I get to see them when they're you know green and, and first time on the campus kind of training um, and I get to see him develop every year I come back and, and watch him throughout the season so it's it's been really good um, I haven't had the chance to meet all of the guys this year I don't think but I know a lot of them um, just by being up there at St Mary's and, and training with them so um, it's, it's always fun watching those guys grow. Now I've got one more question for you and it's very, very hard for you to kind of get away from this Samaria's connection because you're playing at Melbourne United at the moment. You've got two former Gales at Melbourne with you and Steve Holt and Garrett Jackson. Now, I've got another couple of um, players that I want you to try and lure towards Melbourne United if you could. Right? There's three guys that I've got in mind. Yep. The first one is one of my all-time favorite Gales in Mickey McConnell. Yep. I think he's playing in France at the moment. So if you could reach out to Mickey McConnell and say, hey, man, we need you down. or not, we, don't need, we don't need anyone down at Melbourne United because we are dominating. But I'd just like to see him down and, and watch him play because I've I've been a big fan of, of Mickey McConnell for a long time. Diamond Simpson would be mm-hmm. another one that would be uh, pretty keen to get down. I think he's playing in Israel at the moment. Yep. And the third one I found out recently, Omar Samhan, he's playing in the Siebel. He was playing in the um, the same team that Garrett Jackson was playing in, in um, for the for the Northwest Tasmania Thunder. So maybe he, he's a chance to get a call up at some stage. That could be interesting. Yeah, it could be. And there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of ex St Mary's guys around. Um, over the next couple of years, uh, there's a few others that are, are trying to make Siebel teams and big V teams. So it's um, it's it's good to have all the boys come back. It'd be great to have Mickey and Diamond back here. Um, it'd be fantastic to play with those guys. Uh, those guys are high-quality people and high-quality players, obviously. And uh, Yeah, it'd be good fun to, to have that Gale connection all back here in Australia again. And your next home game for United is on the 6th of December against a couple more ex-Gales players in Lucas Walker and Matt Hodgson. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's um, they're everywhere. Yeah, they are. There's, I think, there's six or seven of us in the. There's two guys, two gales at Townsville, and Mitch Young and um, Steindl. Clint Steindl. So yeah, it's um, it's a good little gale community we have got going around. As long as they don't beat us too many times, <laughs> I'm happy. Exactly. Well, it should be a, a ripper game anyway. Make sure everyone gets down and uh, and checks out the game. It's been tremendous for uh, for United this season. The last couple of weeks has been a couple of hiccups, but. 
We're certainly expecting that because the start of the season was tremendous. The boys are playing perfect. You're playing unbelievably well. You're shooting the lights out, my friend. So hopefully that continues on for the rest of the season. And thank you so much for joining us and uh, talking about your career at St Mary's. No worries at all. Thanks for having me, guys. For more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America.